Welcome to episode eight of the Canes Country Podcast. Our uh, our hiatus was was so long, and we missed you guys so much that we decided to make two within a week. So the content is going to be great, um, assuredly. My name is Brett Finger, and I'm joined by Kyle Morton and Justin Leap. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Uh, working overtime here at the podcast <laughs> factory this week, but uh, I heard we're getting double pay, so it, mm-hmm. it's all good. I'll be honest, I still haven't received my check in the mail, um, but I'm looking forward to it. Right, so I think first things first, uh, we want to get into the Traverse City Tournament. Obviously, a big contingent of Canes Twitter and the Canes fan base in general was paying pretty close attention to that, what with being the defending champions and all. Uh, but they came up short this year. They finished third after defeating the Minnesota Wild last night. What did you guys take away from uh, the prospect showing in that tournament? You know, it's a shame that, you know, they overall as a whole, I think they played really well. And I think that they kind of showed what their their level is in terms of, you know, having a farm system, that being the Carolina Hurricanes and, you know, what what the state of that is. I, I was pretty impressed by by a lot of players. Um, it's too bad, though, that uh, that game against Chicago that quickly got off the rails in, in game three of that tournament. Um, but, you know, outside of that, they they played some good hockey and uh you know they had some impressive wins and some young guys were uh, were certainly sticking out and it appears that there weren't any major injuries throughout the tournament which is which is big. Uh, Nicola Waugh, uh did get hurt in the final game, but it doesn't seem as if that's that's too serious of an injury, which is which is promising and good. Yeah, for me, I mean, definitely Nicola Waugh not being hurt moving into the season, he's definitely going to be a big contributor down in Charlotte, but. And I may be uh, wrong because I, I was definitely looking at some of the things uh, that Nietzsche was doing um, in the tournament, and the guy's got some serious speed. You want to talk about that, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I have a different take on the tournament as a whole. I'm I'm pretty discouraged. Uh, like honestly, if if you can't win the Traverse City tournament against a bunch of kids, then how can we <laughs> expect you to win in the NHL? Jeff Skinner didn't score a goal. Yeah, I'll, you, I'll let you know. Yeah, so it's, it's a shame that everyone on that roster is going to be a bust now. But mm-hmm. uh, Nietzsche did look, I'll give it to him, he looked pretty good. Uh, he has some good wheels, and he was creating plays a lot, uh, which was exciting to see. Because that's that's the type of player they drafted him to be. It would have been pretty discouraging if he went there and was kind of shy, trying to make plays, and just didn't have the confidence that you want out of a prospect of his caliber. But uh, he definitely looked good, and that's encouraging because... You know, he, he's a player that the Canes don't have very much of, of his skill set in the system right now. You know, that playmaking center that profiles as not a sure thing at all, but having a chance to be a first-line center when he reaches his full potential. Uh, so it's good to see him asserting himself and playing uh, well early on. For sure. I mean, a guy of his size, he's an incredibly good skater. And I think that's something that they talked about a lot after they drafted him. They talked about his his skating ability. And that was definitely very obvious. I mean, his his you know, his agility and his, his top end speed and how fast he can get to that top end speed was, was something that kinda of stood out to me. And it in turn it created a lot of offensive chances, like Kyle said. And even outside of a guy like Nietzsche, I think Yanni Kukin might have had the best tournament out of all of Carolina skaters. He was shifty, creative offensively. He played smart. Um, granted, again, this is just a prospect tournament um, with a bunch of teenagers, but it was definitely a good showing for Kukin. And uh, 
to come in after a year in London, the OHL, and it looks like um, he's on a very good track. Yeah, and another thing, I mean, with that speed, that's a huge bonus. Um, but I think one of the players that had the most to gain from this tournament was Hayden Flurry. Um, you know, you, you look at him as a guy that could compete for that bottom pairing spot. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't start strong last year in Charlotte, uh, but he definitely rounded out the year great and looks like a guy that could seriously fit in that bottom pairing. Yeah, even just his stability at, in his own end and, you know, not making mistakes really um i think that's kind of what caroline needs on that on that third pairing because there were a lot of players that made a lot of mistakes last year in that role um we talked about it last week with you know matt tennyson was a failed experiment in that role um of course ryan murphy uh never worked out um in the hurricanes organization so seeing a guy that that you know, has the upside like Fleury does, and to see him, you know, at least be a steady force for for the Hurricanes and Traverse City is a promising sign. And he did finish out the year incredibly impressively um, in Charlotte last year, including the playoffs. So I think the the biggest hope for for the front office and Phil Peters is that he can carry that into training camp and uh, and earn a spot with uh, Van Riemsdyk on the third pairing. And another guy that stood out to me in a good way was uh, Nikolawa. Uh, like I was kind of getting at with Nichas earlier, was a guy who uh, the Canes don't have too much of uh, of the skill set in the system. Uh, you know, there's a lot of big wingers now, but not a whole lot of big centermen, and uh, certainly not a whole lot of big centermen or wingers with the type of hands that Waugh has. And I, that was that was really impressive to me, especially on the power play. Uh, he did a good job, as advertised, of setting up a net front on the power play. I, I believe he set up a nice goal with a feed from the net front to Kukinen over at the right side of the slot for a one-timer type thing on the first night, maybe. Uh, and that's just another thing. Uh, Jordan Stahl's pretty good at that, but uh, he doesn't have quite the hands that Wah could have if he could translate that to the NHL level. So always a good idea to add a net front presence on the power play, even better when it's someone who uh, has the skill with their hands to uh, make plays to facilitate more scoring opportunities for those around them, as opposed to just being a net front and screening the goalie. Uh, it's good to have both in that type of a player. Absolutely. And there's there's one goal that Wass scored in game one. He pounced on a two, turnover on the penalty kill and at center ice. He came in. He made a fantastic move to score. Um, he certainly had a really impressive tournament. But I, I think a guy that, that needs to be watched a little bit is Callum Booth, who outside of the Chicago game looked really good. Um, in that first game of the tournament, Halfway through, Detroit was absolutely controlling the play. They were hugely outshooting Carolina. And uh, Booth held the fort and really gave them a chance to power through in the final period and, and walk away with that game easily. Uh, 6-2, I believe, is the final of that first game. But Booth, uh, he struggled against Chicago. He got pulled early on, and that didn't really improve things for Carolina as they lost 9-2. to But he came back strong in that final game, was able to shut out Minnesota, and, and you know, he, he looked a lot better and a lot more calm in the net. I think the the goalie uh, competition in Charlotte's going to be an interesting one because you have Nedeljkovic coming back, and he, he has been kind of named like the top goalie prospect in, in this organization, but Callum Booth had an incredible year in the QMJHL this past year in St. John, and he had a good tournament if you're willing to forget that Chicago game. So I think he's the player that's on the rise a little bit. Yes, and Charlotte's definitely going to look to solidify their goaltending. Uh, Tom McCollum is not a part of the team anymore. Um, 
And Nadelkovic didn't have the the year you wanted to have. Or you wanted him to have last year. Um, looked very shaky. Spent some time in the ECHL. Um, but Booth is a guy you look at as maybe a leader on that team moving forward. But I mean, Nadelkovic did come up and you know has the best goals against average maybe in Hurricanes history. <laughs> yeah, he he led the league in save percentage and goals he against did. average in the NHL as as a twenty year old. Training camp is coming up pretty soon here. Uh, and today, uh, Mike Sunheim, uh, PR director of the Hurricanes, uh, tweeted out some images from the pro- promotional photo shoot for Fox Sports, Fox Sports Carolinas uh, that will be airing throughout the season. Uh, so we here at the Canes Country Podcast decided to come up with some p- potential promotional player ideas of our own. Uh, and these are great. You're going to want to hear them. What do you guys got? What do you think is a good a good idea from a marketing perspective to market one of these players. Well, I mean, if you're if you're in that PR role with the Hurricanes, you gotta be pretty happy because you have a lot of options. One of my favorites is um, the Hannafin. Um, go on down to Long John Silver's and get yourself a large order of Hannafins. Um, <laughs> I think I think that could be a money uh, promotion. Do you guys remember last year? Uh, I think it was around Christmas. Uh, I think they went up to Canada in one of the media groups up there. I think it was Sportsnet uh, did a special locker room interview where they were talking about um, what each player should be getting the other ones for Christmas. And Jeff Skinner uh, suggested that either someone suggested for Skinner or he suggested for someone else that they needed herbal teas to relax uh, when they're not at at the rink. Yeah, that's for Noah Hannafin, yeah. Okay, well, here, here we go. Brilliant marketing strategy. You take Evo Teravina mm-hmm. and you get him in a marketing partnership. And your tagline here is Tevo Tivana Ainen. The Tivana Tea Company. You get Tevo there. It's already a running joke in the locker room, apparently. I think it would be a perfect marketing opportunity. Clearly. <laughs> All right. I got one. We're welcoming. A new player to Carolina, Marcus mm-hmm. Kruger. Cro- he would have a promotion with Kroger. Yeah? Yeah? I like it. You, you it. I like it. You're buying it? I mean, I'm buying it. I don't know if customers would buy it, <laughs> but I'm buying it. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, so one thing everyone hates is getting called in to jury duty. It's so inconvenient. You have work. You can't make it. It's hard to make it. It's hard to accommodate that into your life. So if you are one of the unlucky citizens of Raleigh, North Carolina, who gets called into jury duty in the Wake County public court system, one promotion that the Carolina Hurricanes could run with their government, the government of the state, I suppose, or what have you, is the following. Josh jury duty. Josh Juris, a new guy in the community, He'll come in and he'll take your spot. He's is he an American citizen? Is he Canadian? Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> the Canes Canes could Doesn't the Canes, matter. Yeah, the Canes could come to a deal with the government where Josh Juris can fill in for any Hurricanes fan uh, at, on a jury. I think it's a great idea. They go to endear him to the community. Good public servant, etc. Mm-hmm. He'd get out and he'd he'd meet some of the kind faces of Raleigh, North Carolina. Right. Um, how about Hayden McFlurries? Um, McDonald's has become a pretty 
a, a, grow, a sponsor, a growing sponsor of the Hurricanes, as, as you've probably noticed. But Hayden McFlurry. Uh, Flurry is the uh, popular uh, ice cream slash beverage item on the McDonald's menu, and I think there's potential for that. I love how you put ice cream slash beverage like you don't really know what you're eating. <laughs> I know it's it's kind it's kind of like a milkshake kind of right. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um, I got I got Andrew Potterialski. Charlotte is a <laughs> budding art. Um, there's budding art district Noda if anyone's familiar with it, and uh, yeah, Andrew Potterialski just goes around making pots for you know the local community. I think that's brilliant. Uh. So you know how sometimes you can't watch every game? It's impossible to be able to get in front of a TV every night. Mm -hmm. What if there was a service that would allow you to record the game and watch it at a later date? Well, I think Trevor Van Riemsdyk could sponsor a program called TVR's DVR's. (laughs) For if you miss the game, he'll record it for you and you can watch it with him. I like how we're not only creating these but we're also trying to sell them as, as yeah. real ideas <laughs> which i which i do think that all of these are very good ideas well we've the got canes, marketable players we do yeah we're doing the canes marketing team job for them pretty much i mean the, this this is gold that we're just giving away for free on the internet I mean, all right might i got be giving away for free but i'd like some sort of compensation but <laughs> all right here we go guys i got another one for you all right so it's the holiday season you're looking for a visitor at your, you know, holiday party. Why don't you just invite jolly old Saint Nicola? <laughs> <laughs> Nicola Roy, <laughs> Nicola Wah shows up in a Santa suit, you know, helps out the at local. any family function. <laughs> yes, just just invite him to any family function uh, around the holiday season. Perfect guest. Well, that can't possibly fail. I think that, you know, holiday themed promotions are are always winners, as is this next promotion involving Nicola Wah, Roy's Toys. And I know what you're thinking, Roy's Toys, there's a catch. This is going to be a store in Quebec City. And to to stay culturally, you know, accurate, we are going to be naming this uh, this toy store Toise de Wah. So Nicola Wah will be running a toy store in Quebec City. That might be difficult with scheduling, but I think that's something they can figure out. And, you know, if you're going to one of those family functions with old Saint Nicola, you you should probably bring a, a card of some sort to, uh, you know, to wish people good holiday cheer. And Lucas Hallmark of um, Walmart fame, um, I think that, that that promotion with Lucas Walmart's themed uh, Christmas cards. I think that's great. Um, I got one more. I think I think this is going to be the the pun to end all puns. Okay. So, okay. so Raleigh is Raleigh is a big wedding city, right? There's a lot of young couples getting married around Raleigh. Uh, and what do you need at a wedding? You, well, sometimes you need a DJ. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need a band. If you want a very specific type of band, you hire a cover band. And I think a great up and coming cover band in the Raleigh area. Uh, happens to go by the name of Jeff Skinnerd. They, oh they can play their hit song "Sweet Home Carolina" at your wedding. Mm. God, that was brutal. That was uh, brutal. I, I think uh, that's great. A, I think this is the content that people are clamoring for. 
Yeah. This is exactly what people are tuning in for. People will also be tuning in to uh, Hurricanes training camp. Kyle, as we enter this this very exciting training camp, um, who are some players that you're going to be watching and some situations that you'll be watching? Some situations I'm going to be watching, um, we've kind of beat it to death, uh, but the bottom pairing, <laughs> once again, uh, we touched on how, how much of a weak spot that was last year. Uh, and I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously Hayden Fleury is the odds-on favorite to claim that spot. Uh, but I think I think he could see a little bit of a challenge from Jake Bean. Honestly, that wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, and it'll be fun to watch those two go at it. Uh, another thing I'm going to be looking at is going to be uh, Valentin Zikov. I want to see how he comes back from his shoulder injury that ended his season last year. Uh, he looked incredible in his uh, debut against the Rangers, scoring that goal and just generally being a pain in the rear end to play against in front of the net. Uh, and I think there's there's not much room on this roster up front right now, but uh, in the case of an injury, I think he's a really intriguing player that brings uh, an interesting skill set to the table. Absolutely. I think Zikov definitely is playing his way into the conversation with what he did in a very limited time um, last year. Another guy who has has dealt with injuries like Zikov has is Alexi Sorella, who who came up and at the end, tail end of the season for the Checkers and was absolutely incredible. He was dominant. Um, he won the AHL Player of the Week in his first week um, with the team. Um, he he went on to get injured in the playoffs against the Chicago Wolves in their final game before getting eliminated. The Checkers, that is. And, you know, if if he can have a good training camp, you know, he's a guy guy to watch. It is pretty full up front like Kyle touched on, but he's a guy to watch even when he goes back down to Charlotte afterwards. Yeah, and I think um, for me, I think one of the players to watch, uh, it has to be Hayden Fleury because I think it's his job to lose. And I think that's a lot of pressure going into a training camp. But, you know, you've you've put him down uh, in the AHL for a few seasons. I think it's time for him to make the jump and join the rest of the, the younger defensemen up there. I'm not 100% sold on Dahlbeck being in that bottom pairing. I don't think anybody truly is, but I, I think that if, if he comes back to Charlotte after this training camp, it's, it's a disappointment and a failure in that case. I, I, th- I think it's time for him to make that jump. But for me, yeah, it's just looking at all the other young uh, studs, you know, Wah, Fogel, Kukunen. I mean, they'll most likely be down in Charlotte, but it'll be nice to see, you know, could they, could they last into the season, maybe those first 10 games before being sent back, um, you know, and how they fare in preseason games? We'll have to see. And if any of those guys return to Charlotte, uh, training camp will start Monday. That is September 25th. Most of the sessions are going to take place during the day. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, it was something interesting last year um, to watch. I think Podorowski was a guy that, his speed really stood out in training camp, and I, I saw him as kind of a threat early on, but uh, I didn't think that he would be as good as he was last year. You know, he was a, a main contributor for the team and uh, really helped him through some of the months where they were struggling. I mean, December stands out especially. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how these young guys fare. Regardless, it's going to be a very talented roster. I think one of the things that you need to take a long look at is going to be the goaltending situation. Is it Booth? Is it Nedeljkovic? Um, you know, it's it's something that they'll have to take a look at. But, uh, you know, it, it should be exciting to be a Charlotte fan this year. And I think a guy that could be a contributor in Raleigh down the road is Sorella. And uh, he's a guy that's coming off an injury. Um, 
you know, so it will be interesting to see how he fares coming back from that injury. Uh, when he initially got into the AHL, he really lit it up those first or six or seven games. Um, but he will be a guy that will be relied on heavily in Charlotte this year. And another person who Velucci brought up in an in interview that, you know, he's going to be counted on. So uh, it will be interesting to see. And maybe he'll even get some games in Carolina this year. Yeah, he was very impressive down the stretch. I, I didn't expect him to really jump on the scene and do what he did. It was, it was, it was good to see because you know the more prospects in this in this system that have a chance of being impact players, especially on offense, I, I, I think that's very promising for the team. Another promising young player for the Hurricanes is Noah Hannafin, and uh, this week we're talking about him for reasons that are bad. Elliot Freeman mentioned in his thirty-one thoughts that um a trade for Joe Sakic or f- Matthew Shane <laughs> I don't I don't think they're going to trade Joe Sakic but <laughs> if if Joe Sa- if we can get Joe Sakic to agree then to he's worth Joe Sakic that, that would be big <laughs> but the player who is in in question here from Colorado isn't Joe Sakic but it's Matthew Shane. You might have heard of him. You you might have heard his his name in in trade rumors over the past seems like forty five years maybe. Um, he's been talked about a lot. And Freeman said that general manager Joe Sakic uh, wouldn't or wants Noah Hannafin in a in a package for for Duchesne if if that is to be completed. Kyle uh, Matthew Shane's name's been talked about a lot. Noah Hannafin's name's been thrown in there a lot too. Why is this ridiculous you're right i feel like we have been been hearing about this a lot um i don't even know what to think anymore honestly it's just it's just been drilled into and out of my brain this this possibility hundreds of thousands of times since the month of march uh certainly a whole lifetime's worth of trade discussion over these two players and obviously exaggerating a little bit but um the reason it's not necessarily the best idea First and foremost, uh, just the age gap. Uh, I think I mentioned this before, but you know there have been a, a couple other defense for forward swaps, uh, most notably Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones. Uh, and in that case, that was you know those guys were three draft classes apart, and I think two and a half years apart in actual age. Uh, so that that made some sense. You know Johansson's a little older, but Nashville got the guy who they needed. Uh, without sacrificing too much uh, youth in that move. Uh, but, you know, Duchesne, 2009 draft class, I believe he's 26 now. Hannafin is 20 now, uh, 2015 draft class. So it's just, it's too big of a gap. You're you're moving your window forward too much. Uh, and I don't necessarily think it's the worst idea to trade Hannafin for a forward. I would just like it to be a younger forward of a comparable status. Uh, but it wouldn't be fair to Hannafin to trade him without seeing what he can do uh, in a full season in a top four role uh, uh, when he's been given largely suboptimal, let's say, uh, conditions to play in, uh, whether that's who he's playing against, who he's playing with, uh, and what have you. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a wait-and-see thing. Obviously, you know, Francis hasn't been willing to move him in any deal to this point, so uh, I doubt he's going to do that anytime soon, uh, which... Leads me to believe that he probably has a similar thought process to the one I just laid out. Yeah. Um, what kind of frustrates me sometimes is a lot of people compare, and it's not a bad comparison, but just 
Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones to Hannafin for Duchesne. And the reason it kind of irks me sometimes is Ryan Johansson was playing very well in Columbus. Um, he had in 14-15, he had 71 points. Um, in 15-16, he had some injury issues and had 26 points in 38 games. I, I think at that point, you know, you were pretty convinced that you were getting a young center who can man your first line. The difference with Duchesne is, to me at least, I don't have that kind of confidence in him. He, over the past few years, whether it be because of whatever the hell's going on in Colorado or, or whatever, he, he struggled. Um, he hasn't really been a difference maker like Johansson was in Columbus prior to being traded. And I think you're dead on about Hannafin. This is really going to be his first year to really show what he can do when he's when he's put in a situation to really succeed. With how he played down the stretch last year, um, that's really promising. If you trade him now, you could easily, two years down the road, and Hannafin's a Norris contender, and Colorado, and Duchesne's a free agent. So definitely not a smart move. And if Ron Francis was willing to do that, he probably would have already done it. Yeah, for me, I think if you you get rid of Hannafin, you will probably end up looking back at it like the Tyler Sagan trade. I know that that, that may be a little bit out there, but um, yeah, I, I think it's too early to give up on a player like him. I think he brings an interesting skill set to the table. And yeah, he was not with the right guys last year. Uh, but getting him into a top four role um, and you know just giving him some chance to breathe a little bit I think that would be ideal. You know, at the beginning of this offseason, I was a fan of this. I wanted this trade to happen. But after looking at it longer, I think it would be pretty dumb. Um, I think that I just heard. Vroom, vroom. (laughs) That's the the Bronx uh, automobile drivers out there again. Man, we have some fans in the Bronx, don't we? Yeah. Those damn Yankees. <laughs> we love them. Ruin our podcast. I love them. Um, but uh, no, uh, going back to it. Yeah, Duchesne coming off a bad year, only two years left on a contract of guaranteed control. I'm just not a fan of it. I'm tired of the rumors. Hopefully they stop. I am too. But lucky for us, they won't stop. It's keeping content rolling, so we, we like can getting talk about this every like other this. week, and exactly. we can just take that clip of us talking about it and just play it every week. Exactly. Boom. There you go. We don't. We content. less effort on our part. We should, um, make we, our, still get... uh, we should make the podcast theme song "Rumor Has It" by Adele. If we're gonna <laughs> do that, Perfect. I think that would be copyright. <laughs> Pretty sure we're gonna <laughs> maybe. Pay I, I mean, rumor uh, rumor has it by the Canes Country Podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, our own rendition. Of so it. our own yeah. rendition. <laughs> uh, soprano, alto, who, who's who? I mean, we got We got to decide. I did spend uh, like eight years in choir. Did you so really? I did. We're gonna need to learn more about this on the next podcast. Oh, there's. I there are some stories. I can tell you that. <laughs> we are ready for them. <laughs> we'll save that for next week. Though. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we're actually gonna go ahead and get started. Uh, with our season previews, which we've been doing every week. Uh, we're getting closer to the season, so we got to start pumping them out. But uh, today we got Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Washington on the table. And that will Spoilers, con- Justin. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I just like it straight to the point. Um, but that will conclude our Eastern Conference. Uh, and we'll take a look at the West next week. 
But up first, we got Tampa Bay. What are your thoughts, Kyle? Ooh, I thought the, the Tampa Bay Lightning had themselves an interesting offseason. Uh, we've touched on the general overratedness of uh, Stevie Y, Steve Eiserman, uh as a GM before on this show. Uh, but I think he, he went and proved it uh, again this, this offseason. Uh, I would have to say the most puzzling signing of the offseason was their decision to bring in Dan Girardi. Uh, they gave him two years for $3 million a year. Uh, and that's just, it's absurd to me. Uh, as, uh, like, I, I live in New York. I go to school here. So I've, I've seen a lot of Ranger games. Uh, and just, he, he was an anchor for that team. Uh, great guy, for sure. Uh, high character guy. Always gives it his all. Great shot blocker. He was a warrior for the Rangers back when he was more effective. But that playing style took a major toll on his body. And in recent years, it got to the point where he was really dragging down the progress and career of Ryan McDonough, uh, who is who is really the star defenseman for the Rangers. And Alain Vigneault loved to pair the two of them together, did so until this year, much to the detriment of the team until the end of this year when Girardi uh, kind of forced his way down the death chart a little bit or out of the lineup completely. Uh, so I, I really don't see... I, I, I don't see why he got a contract at all. Nonetheless, a multi-year one and a multi-million dollar one. Uh, if, if he's someone you want to bring in on a PTO uh, to provide a veteran presence in camp, maybe he earns a spot on a team, that's fine. But I don't think the player he is right now, given his past performance, in recent memory at least, and his injury struggles, I don't think he warrants a guaranteed roster spot for multiple years for that much money. Just really puzzling to me. Especially if the rumors are true about uh, their intentions to have him play with Victor Hedman. Uh, if you thought him dragging down Ryan McDonough was bad, uh, it'll probably be a lot worse when he's playing with the guy who many consider to be the second or third best defenseman in the entire league. Just very puzzling to me. Yeah, that the Girardi was interesting because when he got bought out, I thought he'll either get a one-year show-me contract or he'd be done. And Iserman gave him two years and six million total, so... Obviously, Iserman sees something that, that we don't, or is pretending to at the very least. I think having Steven Stamkos back and healthy is going to be big for Tampa. You know, they, they lost him, and he's their offensive leader. And with him and Kucherov, who had a monster year and is turning into one of the very best players in the entire league, that offense is dangerous. Tyler Johnson was brought back on extension, as was Andre Palat. You know, there's there's a lot of good things on that on that forward unit. Of course, Victor Hedman, I think, is right or not right behind Eric Carlson, but is in the two or three slot for the best defenseman in the league. Under eight million dollars over a long term deal is a steal for him. Anton Strallman's still there, and Andre Vasilevsky in net. So he's a young guy that they're looking to you know turn into a, a good starting goalie. Peter Budai's there too, which is which is interesting because he played very well when uh, Jonathan Quick went down to L.A. last year. Uh, it's a very interesting team, and I think it's one that's poised to bounce back from not making the playoffs next last year. Yeah, and you, you've got to love the triplets. Um, they're, you know, a, a, excuse me, a, a trio that just generates so much offense. Um, and, you know, having Steven Stamkos back healthy, now I'll leave an asterisk behind that because – He's had such bad luck recently with injuries, um, but a healthy Steven Stamkos, I mean, that puts them close to, you know, at least the top of the Atlantic, if not the top of the Eastern Conference. Um, I'm really high on them. Uh, you know, you'll you have to wait and see, though, a little bit of how Vasilevsky handles a full workload. 
Um, but you know, he's a guy that's been developing for a while, and I think he's ready to make that next step. Mikhail Sergachev is a guy that I'm going to be watching a lot. Um, he came over to t- Toronto, or I'm sorry, Tampa Bay, not Toronto. He came to Tampa through the Jonathan Drouin trade, and you know, a lot of people talk very, very highly of him. I if he can make that roster, which shouldn't be awfully challenging if they're paying Girardi $3 million. But uh, if he can break that roster, he could be a difference maker. If not this year, then, you know, looking forward, um, he's a good young defenseman. He's still just 19. Yeah. Uh, and I like, like you guys mentioned, I think the triplet getting those contract extensions done, at least uh, Johnson and Pilat, obviously Kucherov is going to be a whole different animal coming up pretty soon. Uh, I think that's good for them to provide them some security. Stamkos coming back will be large. Uh, but a lot of questions on, on the blue line for me, uh, beyond Hedman and Strawman. Uh, you know, is Sergachev going to be the player we think he can be right away? Uh, I'm a little skeptical of that, but I do like him a lot as a prospect. Uh, and Vasilevsky in net, it's going to be interesting to see how he does in the first full year in the post-Ben Bishop era there, because Bishop was the guy for them for a while. Uh, and obviously, you know, when you have a goalie of Vasilevsky's caliber at that age, you, you got to get him going at some point, and I think it'll be interesting to see how he handles that role. Yeah, I mean, this is a team, they've, they've got some good depth. I think the Kunitz signing, I think that could work out pretty well for them. Uh, obviously, they're not going to get the guy who he looked like when he played next to Sidney Crosby, but I think he can still be productive in a bottom six role. Uh, maybe he can even displace Alex Kalorn in the top six and move Kalorn down to the bottom six uh, as well. But I think I think seeing how how well this offense functions without Jonathan Drouin is it in it is going to be interesting uh, because he he brings a level of dynamic creativity that not many people in this league bring. Especially last year, you know when Stamkos was out, he there were stretches where he kind of carried their offense. Obviously, they have all the faith in the world in Kucherov, Stamkos, Johnson, Palat to do that. Uh, but I'm I'm not sure that they aren't going to miss him too much. With all this talk of strong offenses and Steven Stamkos, it brings up our next topic, Toronto. I mean, that segue couldn't have written itself any better. That um, was amazing. Did yeah, you know that beautiful. Steven Stamkos is from Ontario? Have you heard that? <laughs> Had no idea. You know he's and going to Toronto, right? Confirmed. Hashtag confirmed. So, yeah, so it's I Tavares, just got back right? from 2015. And yeah. it definitely looks like Steven Samkos is going to Toronto. Oh, yeah, definitely. But you know who actually headed to Toronto was the GOAT himself, Ron Hainsey. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, yeah. The, the man, Stanley Cup champion, Ron Hainsey. Let's just remember that. Um, their Wait, I was team... in a coma. I was in a coma from January <laughs> to June. Did, we, did the Canes win the Cup? Yep. No, no, actually, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Good try. Heard here first. <laughs> but yeah, they were a young team last year. They had this stud himself, Austin Matthews, who had a great season, ended up winning the Calder Trophy. Uh, they got back to the playoffs for the first time since 2013 in that horrific Game 7 that if you mention to anybody in Toronto, they'll cringe a little bit. Um, this is a team that's loaded with weapons, and they, got, they added a weapon this offseason. Brett, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, Hainsey's a big weapon, and you know, when he when he brings, are we talking about Hainsey? So, Especially in overtime. He's the, the secret overtime. Yeah, I mean, they, they added, you know, Patrick Marlowe, of course, was their big silent signing of the offseason. 
you know, he brings in veteran presence and, you know, he can still play a little bit. A, a lot of money for Marlowe, but that's Toronto's prerogative and they'll figure it out somehow. Um, they'll send someone else to Robita Island in order to, you know, make sure that they're that they're good by league standards in that category. There, there are a lot of weapons here. The obvious, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Austin Matthews. They re-signed Connor Brown, who had an impressive rookie year, was kind of under the radar, and he put up a lot of goals. Um, Nazim Kadri, I think, had a really good year. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do as a as a two-way center. James Van Riemsdyk is still on that roster, so and he's been talked about a little bit in in trade circles as he's a pending UFA after next season. He's going to be an interesting guy to watch, and he's a guy that most certainly can still play an effective power forward game. The defense is a little bit more interesting. Uh, of course, they have Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner. Zaitsev is there. Hainsey's there. They got rid of Marchenko over the offseason, which was probably a smart decision. Um, and I think a lot of it's going to come down to Frederick Anderson a little bit, if he can you know, continue to develop as a, as a number one goalie for, for Toronto. Of course, that's the hope. And, you know, I mean, it's cool that they are still paying Tim Gleason one point three million because of that buyout. So, and you mentioned you mentioned the signing of Marlowe. Uh, obviously, that's a big get for them. Uh, one thing I think will be interesting is to see where he's going to play. Uh, last year, they had a top line that consisted of Austin Matthews, William Nylander on his right wing, and Zach Hyman on the left wing. Uh, and Hyman, for his credit, he is a great energy guy, uh, but he doesn't have the hands to finish the opportunities that, you know, teammates like Matthews and Nylander were be able to create for him. Uh, I saw a stat somewhere. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell where stats are coming from these days because there's no record of them anymore. But I saw one that he, he had the biggest difference between goals and expected goals, I believe, uh, in the bad way. It'll be interesting to see how high of a value Mike Babcock places on the chemistry of that line going forward, uh, and if he's willing to break that up to put Marlowe there. Because, you know, Marlowe Marlo could keep up with Matthews and Nylander, at, hopefully at his age at least. He, he's always been a great skater, and he does have the finishing ability that a guy like Zach Hyman doesn't. Another team that is coming off an interesting offseason is the Washington Capitals, uh, a direct competitor with the Carolina Hurricanes um, in the Metropolitan Division in terms of playoff seeding and placement. They had uh, they made some moves. They, they lost some players, but they also uh, took care of a, a big in-house signing. So, Justin, how do you feel about Washington's offseason and how they look going into this year? It was interesting. Uh, I think they, they met one of their goals in re-signing Kuznetsov. Uh, you know, he is a young stud who's... You know, been very strong for them. Uh, I like the number at 7.8, especially on a long-term contract. Uh, but, you know, Russian players, it always leads it up in the air, you know, sometimes hot and cold. You know, it depends. But um, I'm not, I don't know if this team got better. Uh, losing Shattenkirk hurt. Um, use, losing Marcus Johansson hurt. You know, it, it's interesting going into it. Uh, Braden Holtby will have to be strong for them again i think they are a team that will most likely get back to the playoffs um but not one that looks to do too much damage i think one loss that kind of went under the radar for them obviously you know uh carl alsner got that big deal in montreal uh justin williams came back home to raleigh marcus johansson obviously to jersey those are all big losses uh but i think i think one that went under the radar was losing nate schmidt to vegas 
I think his puck moving ability, his skating ability, his play driving ability that came from the bottom pairing last year was pretty big for them. There was a point in the Toronto series where he came up big. Uh, he got a, he saw a big increase in minutes in that series, and he, he looked great, handled it really well, came up big for them when the rest of the team was you know struggling with a young, fast Toronto team uh, that was giving the Alzners of the world some more trouble. Uh, and, you know, as we saw with the Hurricanes, the defensive depth, if you don't have it at the bottom of the roster, it can be a big problem. And I'm not too convinced that the Caps have great defensive depth at the bottom without Schmidt there. Absolutely. And, you know, they lost a lot of key defensive pieces in Osner and, and Schmidt and uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, who was traded there midseason. He didn't end up being a huge difference maker for him, but he was still in their top six. So they're kind of left with Niskanen, Orpik, Orlov, and Carlson as their, as their top four entering this year. Um, John Carlson's due for an extension after this season, so... That five point or that five point five, they're investing in Orpic for the next two years might become a little bit of a problem. Niskanen's getting five point seven five, Orlov's getting north of five, so it's going to be interesting how they handle that situation uh, as a team with you know not a boatload of of cap space right now. You know they they still have a dangerous offense that absolutely did not change. Ovechkin's still there. Though he's declining a little bit, you know, he's still a, a goal, big goal scorer for them. Nicholas Backstrom is an incredible, incredible first-line center and a great playmaker. Uh, the Kuznetsov deal was hugely important to get him locked up. Uh, they they extended TJ Oshie long-term, so he's going to still be in that mix. But there are there are a lot of questions, at least that I have, with, with this Washington team after after what they lost in the offseason, and they didn't really add too much to, you know, make up for it. They they signed Chase on and Yoki Paka to PTOs. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them make it because there's not a whole lot of depth here. I think Holpe needs to have a, a, a big year for them in order to be in the conversation of a, a, as a top Metropolitan team. So we have previewed these three teams. The Tampa Bay Lightning. Wow, I sounded like I was in the middle of a haiku there. Anyway, the Tampa Bay <laughs> Lightning, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Washington Capitals. Uh, as we've been doing with at the end of these segments, uh, we got to predict if they make the playoffs or not, just because that's something we're imposing on ourselves that we have to do. Uh, if we don't, we'll be embarrassed. So, Tampa Bay. Missed the playoffs last year, uh, but prior to that, they've been a, a pretty solid bet to make it. What do you guys see this year? Oh, they're in. I think they're in. There's there's no doubt about it. I think their offense is strong. Uh, if Stamco stays healthy, you know, the sky's the limit. Uh, you know, they could be a team that gets back to the Eastern Conference final like they did a few years ago. Uh, the only thing that could hold him back is Dan Girardi, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty big negative to the team. But overall, there's just too much talent on this team with Victor Hedman and Tyler Johnson. And, you know, I think Vasileski can hold the hold down the fort so uh yeah they're in the playoffs yeah i absolutely agree um this is a team that was absolutely hammered with with injuries last year of course the big one was stamkos um if they can stay healthy there's no reason why they they can't make the playoffs i think they have the right pieces and i think they're going to be a major threat in the atlantic division and finish in the top three there uh, I think they're. I think they're going to win the Atlantic Division, uh, first place, which is the same as winning. Uh, but 
I just don't I look at that division and I don't see a dominant team. And at that point, it just kind of comes down to who has the most elite pieces. Uh, and with Stamkos, Hedman and Kucherov there uh, and Vasilevsky being at least above average in net, uh, I think I think they have the most top end talent. And I think we're kind of shifting to an NHL where it's not just depth, it's top end talent and mostly top end talent with as long as you don't have terrible depth, you're going to be a pretty good team. And I don't see the Lightning as a team that has terrible depth, especially at forward. Uh, the defense might get a little questionable, but uh, I just think they're the most well-rounded and the most top top-end talented team in that Atlantic Division, and therefore I think they'll win it. So we have a three for three on the Lightning, as they we are saying that they'll make the playoffs, which is pretty much gospel. Our word is gospel around here, as you've probably noticed. Um, another team that will be competing for that top spot in the Atlantic Division potentially is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Justin, are they a playoff team? I think they are. Um, I think that they won't endure too many sophomore slumps with you know their group of young guys. Uh, with the team with Austin Matthews leading the way, it's, it's kind of hard to bet against them. I mean, he really proved himself to be one of the top centers in the league last year, even as a rookie. Um, I, I think that they're structured well. I think the addition of Patrick Marlowe, well, you know, you may not like the contract, but I think the veteran leadership is always nice. Um, if Frederick Anderson holds down the fort, I think they are a bottom of the Atlantic division playoff contender. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say they're going to take another step forward this year. Uh, I know they were exceptionally healthy last year and that probably won't happen again. Uh, but I think the Marlowe signing really rounds out that top nine very nicely. The fourth line might be a little bit of a concern. Hainsey playing top four minutes might be a little bit of a concern. But like I was saying with Tampa, uh, what I'm looking for in these teams is a combination of top-end talent and well-roundedness. And outside of Tampa, I don't think there's a team that brings the talent of a Matthews or the depth of having a guy like Nazem Kadri on a third line uh, the way Toronto does. And I think Frederick Anderson is good enough in net to be similar to Vasilevsky, firmly above average at least. Uh, and I think that's going to get them to second in that division, and that means they'll have home ice in the first round against uh, whoever. I think they're going to really give Tampa a tough time for, for who's the best team in that division. I think it's going to be really close um, with those two teams leading the hunt. Toronto, I, there's the risk of a sophomore slump for all these guys, but, I mean, I, I'm less worried about that. They, they just they have so much talent. Matthews, Nylander, Marner. Casper Kapanen hasn't even played a full year in the NHL or anywhere close to it, and he's a guy that could come in and play as a young guy. Uh, the top end is is really impressive. Kamarov, Van Riemsdyk, Kadri, uh, Connor Brown as well. The offense is really dangerous. Uh, I really like Morgan Riley too. So, yeah, I think uh, I think they're definitely going to be a playoff team in year two of the Austin Matthews experiment. And that leaves us with. The Washington Capitals. Uh, this may be a little bit of a gimme, but i got to ask the question. Do you guys think they're a playoff team? Well, I think a team with Alex Ovechkin on it is going to be good. Uh, I think that they will take a step back. I don't know if Braden Holpe is going to bring the goaltending he did last year. I mean, he was phenomenal. You know, it's kind of hard to repeat a performance like that. Uh, but I, I think that they're able to squeeze in with either a wild card spot or, you know, the third spot in the Metropolitan Division? Um, I it, Washington's really tough for me because I think they're going to not only take a step back, but take a 
pretty decent one, decent setback. I think I think it's going to be a lot harder for them to make the playoffs with with losing those key pieces on the blue line. Uh, losing Marcus Johansson certainly does not help. They're they're looking pretty thin all over, but I I do think they'll make the playoffs at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a lot closer than maybe a lot of people think because. I, this is a team that within the next few years I could plausibly see, you know, kind of turning into a dumpster fire. But uh, this year I do think they'll make the playoffs. I think the the Capitals are going to go ahead and take second in the Met this year. Uh, I do agree with Brett that they're sort of a ticking time bomb uh, in terms of the, the composition of the roster, the age of their key players. Uh, I think they're a big time candidate to regress pretty hard in the next couple of years. Uh, to a, an average or maybe even a below average team, uh, but I don't think they're there yet. Um, you have you have Backstrom and Kuznetsov down the middle. You have Carlson and Niskanen on the right side of the fence. Uh, Orlov's a good player, and then you have Holtby, who's arguably the second best goalie in the league. That's that's that team's going to make the playoffs, uh, and I think they're a more sure thing than Columbus. I wouldn't be too surprised if Columbus uh, or even the Canes. Uh, beat, beat them out this year, but uh, I do think they're much more of a sure thing. Uh, they have the top-end talent. Their depth at forward leaves a little bit to be desired, uh, but that power play is still going to be great. Holtby's going to bring lead goaltending, uh, and Backstrom and Kuznetsov is hard to compete with down the middle. So there you have it. There's our predictions in another successful podcast, this time episode 8. So... Yeah, this is this is big. We're we're almost to double digits now. It's getting pretty big. Two more weeks. I know. Um, don't forget to follow us this time at Kane's Country. We changed our handle. I just want to stress that one more time at Kane's Country. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook. We're verified on there. Hopefully, we can get verified on Twitter sometime soon. Um, but you can also follow me. I cover the checkers at Lanky Lape. You can follow me at K underscore Morton Nine. And you find me on Twitter at Brett Finger, B-R-E-T-T-F-I-N-G-E-R. Of course, you can find all of our content on canescountry.com. And moving forward, this podcast will be every Wednesday. So be ready for that and check in. Yes, and as we move closer to the season, there's going to be a lot of good content. Uh, I know last week our mics were having a little bit of issues. Mine was. Uh, Kyle kind of sounded a little bit dull. Um, but, you know, we're bouncing back. That's what this King's Country podcast is all about. It's beautiful. Yeah, I was I, I, my apartment was stuck with an old router. Uh, I actually just moved in, so we had an old router from about 2009, maybe. Uh, so, so I was rocking a four megabyte per second uh, internet connection. So, uh, got a new router, got that taken care of, and hopefully, I'll sound a little bit better this time. You sound great. Thank you. You're welcome. And there you have it. All right, guys. See you next week. Peace. Perfect. Good stuff. That was beautiful. I thought that was good. I almost cried. I did cry.